Good morning once again, everybody. Good to see you all. My name is Alan, and I am excited about the church of tomorrow and to continue to talk about what DeAndre has set us up for, this whole idea of intergenerationally connecting. But before I do that, I have one thing I want to address, and that is couches. So uh, we uh, typically have couches here in this room, and we love having couches here in this room. For those of you who have been here uh, for a while, we replace the couches with the black chrome chairs. You can see where the black chrome chairs are because they're the big empty spaces. And, and so we replaced them uh, for Mother's Day because we needed more space and all that. But uh, it's time for, for the black and chrome chairs to go and the couches to come back. So that's happening. <laughs> that is, wow, you guys are excited about that. That's happening next Sunday. We just wanted to make you aware of that. That shouldn't affect you all because at the 11 o'clock service, there is room. So even with the couches, there'll be plenty of room. But some of those 930 folks, they might, they might sneak into your service next week. So just forewarning you, letting you know uh, that that is happening next Sunday. So, uh, but this Sunday is Jump In Sunday. You may have noticed in the lobby, the decorations, etc. And uh, what we mean by Jump In is we want to highlight our value for participating here at the church. Highlight the, the value to, of connecting with one another by serving together in ministry somewhere. That church is not a spectator event. Church is, is not designed to be a long-term place where we just sit. and It's okay to come and kind of get your bearings and all that kind of stuff. That's terrific. But ultimately, where we want you to go is to participate, is to be involved. That this is a life-changing, community-changing activity that we get to be a part of. And so uh, our hope is that, is that uh, there would be an opportunity this Sunday for you to try to jump in in ways that you perhaps have not yet done. For those of you who have already jumped in, you're already serving, you're involved in ministries, etc. so thankful for you, and hopefully this Sunday is still uh, meaningful for you. And at least it can be a reminder to you that, that we see that you're carrying more uh, of a burden on yourself and so we want to get you some help. We want to connect with some other people to team up with you because there are other people sitting around you who are as great as you are and, uh, and they can uh, serve with you. If you have jumped in in the past but you've taken a break, now it's time to get, to, to get wet again. And so we want to just give you an opportunity to do that as we prep for the fall. And then uh, thirdly, if you've never jumped in before, uh, we hope that you would at least consider given this a shot, um, and over the next few moments, I'll try to make a case that it really is a meaningful experience to team up with other great people, to be a part of what God's doing here, and it is needed here at our church, and it's a lot of fun. It can be a, a ton of fun to, to jump in and be part of that. Um, one of my gifts to you this morning is that I will be having a shorter message you're welcome. And uh, the whole idea there is I'm going to have a shorter message in order to give us time at the end so that you can check out different ministry areas so our service time will flow into the lobby and into the rest of the church as we continue with this jump-in concept. That's what's going to happen. I'll explain that more uh, as we uh, wrap up here this morning. But uh, would you bow your heads with me as we head into this? Father God, I thank you for the men and women gathered here in this room. You alone know the untapped potential that is here. And so I, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would help us uh, break through some of our resistance or barriers in terms of just this whole idea of you using us, us in your kingdom. God, that we would break through that and experience all that you have for us 
Pray that you would lead us to that this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in a series called The Church of Tomorrow. And so this jump in is part of this series. It's called The Church of Tomorrow because 2,000 years ago, there was a guy named Paul, a leader and a prolific writer of the New Testament, the the last uh, part of the Bible, the last third of the Bible. Um, uh, Much of that was written by Paul. He was a leader who planted a church in the city of Ephesus, and after he left, he wanted a leader to come and take that church, so he entrusted that to a young man named Timothy. Paul wrote two letters that we refer to in the New Testament as 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. These are letters that he wrote to young Timothy to help him to set him up to lead well. And essentially what Paul is saying what we're looking at here in this series is he's saying to Timothy, here's what the church could look like. Here's what the church, what the church of tomorrow could be, Timothy, if we can lead it properly, if we can lead it well. So he is, he is painting this picture. And this picture is, is for us now as we talk about the church of tomorrow, we're not talking about 20, 30 years down the road and what it might look like one day. We really are talking about tomorrow. We're talking about, about our involvement and how that can change the church. That's why Jump In fits with this series. Because if you choose to jump in and say, I'll give it a shot, me and my friends or my family or whatever, I'll give it a shot to see how we could be used here in this church, here in this community, you can make an impact tomorrow, next week, next Sunday, you can jump in and play a significant role in God's story, in, uh, in God's kingdom. What we're looking at this morning is actually two chapters throughout this series. We're looking at one chapter each Sunday. But this morning is the one time where we're going to look at two chapters 1 Timothy chapter 4 and chapter 5. Essentially, in chapter 4, Paul is addressing the young people. And he is saying to young people, um, uh, you have a role to play. I don't know why I'm addressing you. So you're the young people right here. You have a role to play in the story. You old people... He talks about in chapter 5, you have a role to play in the story as well. Basically what he's saying is don't let anyone or anything become an excuse for you to believe the lie that you don't have a significant role. Don't let anyone, don't let any thought enter into your mind that you do not have a significant role to play in this story. Don't let anyone tell you that because you're young or you're old, or because you're new to the faith, you might not even know who Paul is or who Timothy is. Don't let anyone make you believe that you are not qualified to play a significant role in the story. Don't let anyone disqualify you because you're a woman. Paul talked about in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Or because you, you might be an introvert or an extrovert, or you might have kind of a, a natural nerdy bent and you're kind of into numbers and all that kind of stuff. Don't let anyone think that that is not usable here or that you're not comfortable on stage or whatever, or that you are ruggedly handsome. I've been plagued with that my whole life. And I just have to work through that. I just have to continue to move through that. So he's saying, don't let anything get in the way of this idea of you have a significant role to play in this story. So let's jump in to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and see what Paul writes to this young pastor. He, he, um, in chapter 4, I'm jumping to verse 7. He says, Have nothing to do with godless myths 
or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Paul is talking to Timothy. Just be careful with, with godless myths. With, with, there's lots of, of clever and interesting and fascinating thoughts and ideas bouncing around and books to be read and movies and TV shows that have interesting ideas in terms of what, the, what humanity is all about and where we've come from and where we're going, etc., I was given a book a number of years ago by someone in the church who was really trying to explore different creative ideas, and it was a book of a hundred different explanations on what happens after we die. This wasn't a Christian book. It was just someone pontificating about different ways that things might look like, and this would be like Twilight Zone or Black Mirror kind of concepts in terms of what might happen when we die, and I flipped through it and read it, and it was interesting. But if, if you are a follower of Jesus, then we, that stuff is interesting, but we really should look at what the Creator says about where life came from and what life is supposed to be about and how we are supposed to connect one another and what is it going to look like at the end of the story. We really should look at what the Creator says and not get confused by godless myths and old wives' tales. So Paul says... To Timothy, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Paul's specifically addressing Timothy, saying, saying cling to the Creator. Cling to what we know about the, the Creator's plan for life here and the life to come. Train yourself up, Timothy, as you lead this church. And not only that, I think it's natural to extrapolate and say, not only, Timothy, you train yourself up, but it's your job as pastor, as leader, to train the church up. Train them. Don't just gather a crowd of people. Don't just give people a box to check to say, I went to church. Don't give people a religious box to check. I'm okay, I've got that part of my life squared away and now I can move on to other things. Don't just tell people what they want to hear. Don't tell them what will make them happy. Paul says to Timothy, train them. Train them. If it was the area of training, I think it's fascinating that here in the, in the valley, many of, many of us are very familiar with training, running, biking, and you've got to stay out of the way when you're driving because everybody's driving, everybody's biking and training for something around here. And, and so we're very familiar with training. I think it's fascinating to think, so was Timothy. So, was, so were the people of Ephesus. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have made this reference, this idea. They're familiar with physical training. But what about, what about training in godliness? So... You, you don't want to, if somebody's training for a marathon, you don't want to feed them cookies and ice cream because it tastes so good and then tell them you're nourishing them. No, you want to equip them for what's in front of them. Timothy, train yourself and train the church. Prepare them for tomorrow. Prepare them for next week, for next month, for next year. And the best way to train for something is to practice. The best way to train for something is to do it, is to jump in, 
get your feet wet, get involved, get your hands dirty, and try it. That we don't do that sometimes because we're, we're, we're concerned or fearful we might not succeed right away. But that's how we learn. That's how we train is we jump in and we practice and we, and we, and we, we give it a try. You can't learn how to play guitar by reading a book. You can, you, some, many of us, you know, I always want to learn guitar. I always want to learn guitar. You can't do it by just watching a YouTube video of someone else who's playing guitar. You have to get the wood piece in front of you. You have to train. You have to practice. You have to work on it. If that doesn't connect with you, maybe the words of Billy Joel will. He once said, there's a new band in town, but you can't get the sound from a story in a magazine. Hey, that's your average teen. Anybody? No, I'm... Okay, so, uh, okay, uh, uh, where was I? Uh, so, speaking of teenagers, speaking of teenagers, in this chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is where Paul famously says uh, these words in verse 12. He says these words of encouragement. Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Paul, uh, Timothy was not a teenager. Most likely Paul met Timothy when he was a teenager, but this was significant years later. He was probably about 30 years old. He was probably about 30, which is still young enough to have some people look down on you because you're young. Have you ever experienced that? However old you are, do you remember being 30 or younger and somebody looking down on you and not giving you, and not lifting you up, but kind of pushing you down because you're young? Have you ever experienced that before? When I first came here 13 years ago, I was, I was 34 years old. And so I was about the age of, uh, of Timothy, just a little, little older, wiser. And uh, I was invited to this fancy event here in the, here in the city um, because I was the new pastor at, at Mountain Park. And, uh, and, and uh, it was an event in honor of a woman that I didn't know but who had done some significant things in ministry here in the city for a number of years. And, and they were honoring her. And, and so a number of pastors were invited. And, and they knew about you. They knew about Mountain Park. And and when I met her, the first and only thing she said to me was, you're too young to be the pastor at Mountain Park. And I remember that moment. I, I was just, I was kind of there, you know, excited to be there and excited to meet her. I'd heard great things. And that was the first and only thing she said to me. It was so condescending. I was, maybe I was overly offended, but I was offended. And so I said to her, you're too old to have that color of hair. <laughs> which, which perhaps is evidence in and of itself that I was too young to be the pastor of <laughs> Mountain Park Church. So there's a mixture in there somewhere. But. So he's, 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 Paul is saying to Timothy, he's saying, he's saying, I want to lift you up. Don't let anyone knock you down because you're young. Why do we want to knock down young imperfect learning leaders, whatever age they are, we are. Why do we want to knock them down? 
Paul says, let's lift Timothy up. Yeah, he's imperfect. So are you. So am I. Let's lift him up. Timothy, let's lift up young leaders in the church. Don't knock him down. And then in chapter 5, he says, there's another part of this story. He begins chapter 5, and he says, he says, do not rebuke, Timothy, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger men as sisters with absolute purity. There is such a tremendous value in, in connecting intergenerationally. There's such a value in, in, in us not just being siloed to say, I'm going to hang out with my, own, with my own kind, with my own folks, but to connect with those who are different, different kinds of backgrounds, different ages, etc., because we can learn so much from one another. And that is something that the church beautifully allows us to do. So specifically talking about the age differences, the intergenerational connection, Paul says in, verse, in chapter 4, you know, he addresses the young people. And in chapter 5, he addresses, okay, also just be thoughtful and mindful of the, of the older folks, of the mature folks. Young people typically, younger people typically tend to have zeal and passion. There's this, there's this thing in young people that says, I'm going to change the world and nothing and no one can stop me. And it's exciting. It's why so many things in the history of the world, in the history of the United States, have happened on college campuses because young people just kind of just go, we're going to do it. We're going to change the world. And they're, they're so not worried about so many things that the rest of the world is worried about. Older people, on the other hand, typically tend to have wisdom and experience. And older people come to the situation and say, okay, let's, let's look at the pros and cons of this. Let's kind of look at the bigger picture. Let's look at mistakes that have been made in the past, either by me or by others, so we can avoid those mistakes. Both things are of great value. Younger people often bring tons of zeal and passion to the situation and perhaps less wisdom and experience than they think they bring. And, and older people sometimes tend to, to, um, to have been worn out in terms of zeal and passion sometimes. Maybe they got all the wisdom and experience to be able to make a difference, but they're just kind of worn out a little bit. And so there's this blending. Can we come together? The intergenerational connection says, can we bring this stuff together? There's a sweet spot somewhere in the middle there around age 40. When you've got both, you know, you've kind of got that zeal and passion still there and you're, you've got some wisdom over there. And so, so some of you are right on that. But the rest of us, we need each other to kind of balance this stuff out. We need each other to, to, to uh, continue to uh, move forward and, and be healthy with this, with this, uh, with this stuff. Paul addresses uh, Timothy in, in a loving way, and he, and, and he says, um, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but then don't be disrespectful to those who are before you who bring another piece to the puzzle. What is so great about the church and what God has designed with the local church is that people from different generations can, can jump in together. 
and that we can interact with different kinds of people that we don't interact with in the rest of our, in the rest of our normal world. That many of the ways that you can serve here at Mountain Park are opportunities for you to have an intergenerational connection, to pour into young people, to pour into Timothy's, and to learn from older people, to learn from Paul's. And there's a huge benefit to that. As I stand here today and talk about the intergenerational connection, what I don't want to do is just stand here as an older, wiser uh, at least older person, don't want to just stand here and do that. It, there, there is some wisdom in terms of bringing a representation from the younger generation as well. So I've done that by asking my 18-year-old son to come and join me. So Gordon, would you come on up here? Come on up here. Gordon uh, just graduated from DV. He's heading to ASU in the fall uh, to uh, study. Yeah. I got, I'm learning, so you got to be real careful. You just careful with which fingers go up. So, uh, so uh, Gordon has been serving in children's ministry not because I asked him, but because somebody else asked him, or because he just uh, felt a nudge toward that. He's been doing it for years, and so he's kind of the older guy uh, in the children's ministry area. And so, would you share with us what you have intergenerationally learned from the young people? One word. Patience. Um, those of you who have kids or work with kids know exactly what I'm talking about because in the moment it can feel like you're not doing anything and the kids are just more disruptive and you're getting nothing accomplished. But as time goes on, you start to see changes and you're actually making a difference in their lives. And that just takes patience, but that change is awesome to see. So, patience. So you, you spend your time with them and you see that one moment doesn't doesn't always make the difference, but it's over time. It's the accumulation of those small moments that, that make the difference. Okay, so now you, you have also been influenced by older people in the church and your experience here and your life, et cetera. What have you learned from the older generation? Well, from you, I... Uh, Careful. <laughs> I learned that 80s music is by far superior to... Yes, yes. Check. Check. Uh, no, but uh, from my grandparents, I learned how to serve and what it means to put others before yourself because that's what they did for me my entire life. And to live that out and to do it for other people is just awesome. I owe it all to them. So. so you have a picture in your mind as you grow up, you have a picture in your mind of what, of what that looks like because there's been an example in front of you your whole life. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's just say hypothetically that you had the opportunity to stand before a group of people, who, most of whom are older than you, and give them advice in terms of how they can pour into or interact with younger people, with people of your generation. Just assuming that you had that opportunity, hypothetically, what might you say? I would say let them be, them being like the younger generation. Um, Life is full of mistakes, right? Everybody makes mistakes. And if the older generation is telling the younger generation to be perfect in every way and don't make the mistakes that I made, then they're not gonna learn from their mistakes. Sometimes we need to make mistakes. So maybe just lay off the reins a little bit and let the younger generation be. You didn't tell me you were gonna say that. <laughs> 
I can't help but wonder if you're talking to them or if you're talking to me. Yeah, maybe <laughs> but anyway, anyway, thank you for sharing with us, Gordon. Proud of you. So here's how this is going to work, because I want to I pass this over. I want to transition this over to you. As I said, I'm going to wrap up here in just a few minutes to give you uh, some time to continue the service out into the lobby. And so uh, the plan is that after I dismiss you, there will be different places uh, in the lower and the upper uh, part of the lobby for you to make a choice of investigating one of five different areas, main areas to be able to jump in here as a volunteer at the church. Those five areas are the following. On the first floor in the cafe area, as soon as you leave the doors and go out into the lobby, around the cafe will be family ministry. That includes children's ministry and student ministry and parenting uh, ministries. And just keep in mind, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have this stuff figured out in that area or any other area. This could be an opportunity for you to, to step in, to jump in and, and learn as you lead. So that is happening in the cafe. In the second floor, in the great room, so up on the second floor, the first available room there is going to be creative arts. That's worship. That's tech. You can have tremendous experience there, and we'd love to meet with you and, and see how that works. You can also be interested in that area and have no experience, and we'd love to train you. You can meet with DeAndre and his crew to uh, prep for that area. In Great Room 2, right, right, right next to that is the Connect Ministries. This is our greeters and ushers and people in the lobby who, who make, make that area feel welcoming and take care of new folks. It's also the opportunity to lead small groups and to pour into other people in that way. And so uh, that's in Great Room 2. Great Room 3 is outreach. Those are the ways that we as a church reach beyond our walls to reach others here in the community, in the city, or in other parts of the country and around the world. You can be a part of teams that help facilitate that and make that happen and choose which other outreach things we're going to do. And then uh, finally is in the conference room, which is a room just outside of the entrance to the skyboxes. There's the little conference room area there, and that's where any folks who are interested in facilities can gather. That's building, maintenance, for those of you who just like to work with your hands more. And, and so there's a, an opportunity to, uh, to jump in and be part of that. The idea is to pick one of the five and if you have children in children's ministry, we're letting you out early so that you can leave your kids there while you check out one of those five areas for about a 10-minute presentation. It's, you, you leave your kids for 10 minutes, not, that's it. That's, it's just the 10 minutes, but you don't get to leave them for longer than that. But then, but then the idea is you have a 10-minute introduction of that area. If you like it, great, you can learn more. If you don't, we'll help you find another area if you would like to jump in. I just want to close by reading something that I looked at last week from 1 Timothy chapter 3. At the end of that chapter, in verse 13, Paul writes, Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. See, when we serve, it's not that we're, not that we're gaining favor with God or, or you know, gaining our way with God so that God can be pleased with us or whatever. It's not, it's not that kind of thing. It's if you... If you want to grow in your faith, which most of us here in this room want to, this is a great pathway to do this. This is practicing out our faith, and it, and it helps us grow in our relationship with Christ Jesus. 
So our, my hope is that you can identify one of these five if you have not yet jumped in so you can learn a little bit and see if something might be a fit for you. I want to uh, pray with you before I dismiss you. Would you bow your heads? Father, I, I thank you for the gathering here in this space. I thank you for those who serve here in the church. That um, I thank you, God. We have some of the greatest people in the city who love you and love others and and are using this community, this church, to make a difference. And, and none of us are perfect, but we come together and you use us in profound ways. So I thank you for those who have already jumped in and are serving. I thank you in advance for those who uh, are going to take a courageous step here today and, and see if there's something they might want to try and, and see if that's a good fit. Father, I pray for all of the things that get in the way of us serving, all of the 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 ways that maybe Mountain Park doesn't uh, find the right role right away or there's a miscommunication or we're busy or whatever. God, would you help just pave all those paths? Help us to make connections so that you and your bride here in this part of the city can make a significant impact. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.